I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space. And none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. Take a moment and Google July 1969, and what comes up? Over 7 million entries, most of which are related to the first landing on the moon by the crew of Apollo 11. Armstrong is on the moon. Neil Armstrong, 38-year-old American, standing on the surface of the moon on this July 20th, 1969. That's one small step for man. On July 20th, 1969, NASA completed President John F. Kennedy's dream of landing a man on the moon and just a few days later returned them safely to Earth. In that one fleeting moment, billions of people on Earth stopped and became one. One people standing in awe at what humans could do if they put their minds to it. But beneath the headlines, beneath the technical wizardry that made that event a reality, the Earth seemed to be spinning off its axis. Wars raged on. Protesters filled the streets, standing in unison demanding equal rights, protection of the environment, and ending the Vietnam War. It was a month when pop culture was dramatically changing who we were then, and who we are now. This year, the judges of the Cannes Film Festival presented the award Best Film by a New Director to Easy Rider. This used to be a hell of a good country. I don't understand what's going on with it. This is July 1969, the month when everyone had gone to the moon. I'm Joe Kuhai. Episode 4, Not Everyone Has Gone to the Moon. At this moment, Apollo 11 is nearly 35,000 miles out from Earth and heading for the moon at 7,000 miles an hour. Everything about the mission has gone so perfectly that a mid-course correction due early tomorrow morning won't now be necessary. Following a successful launch on July 16th, the crew of Apollo 11 raced toward a rendezvous with history. Not only were three astronauts heading to the moon one more time after two previous successful flights by Apollo 8 and Apollo 10, this time would be different. They would actually land on another world. We copy you down, Eagle. Griffin, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Twink. Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. For one brief moment in history, on July 20th, 1969, millions of people stopped and watched as Neil Armstrong took that first step onto the moon. And in that very moment, the tumultuous month of July 1969, with all of its problems, the wars, the protests, the social strife, they were all forgotten. People rejoiced in the history and the achievement. And the world waited. 
July 20th, 1969. It is said that 500 million people gathered at TV sets around the world to wait for the first Earthling to set foot on the moon. Countless millions more listened on the radio to the voices from the moon. For the patrolman, the only break came yesterday afternoon. The lunar module set down at 1.17 p.m., and the police radio shop reports there was almost no activity from 1 to 1.30, presumably because so many people were home watching television. I think it's by God I never saw a thing in my life as wonderful it was, and I hope he just comes down as well as he went up. It was fantastic. I just think it's unbelievable, and it's just marvelous that we've accomplished so much. Well, it's absolutely fantastic getting on the moon, but... Um it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> but despite public jubilation over the landing, there was another side. Uh, I can't see how this is going to aid uh, uh, our plight here on, uh, in the United States for the poor. Would you like a trip to the moon? Um, no. Expenses paid? I don't care. I don't want a trip to the moon. I want to settle things here on Earth, you know? Well, I think it's a great advancement that man has made throughout the years. But I also feel that if God wanted us to be up on the moon, he would have put us there. Gallup polls conducted throughout the 1960s had cast a spotlight on a glaring fact. With the exception of one year, 1965, polls consistently showed that while Americans had a favorable view of NASA, the astronauts, and spaceflight in general, they were less than enthusiastic with spending billions of dollars on landing on the moon. Favorability ratings for the project consistently hovered between 30 and 50 percent, with the majority of those responding indicating that they would have rather seen the money spent on social projects like protecting the environment and eliminating poverty. And with that in mind, Congress began chipping away at NASA's budget even before Apollo 11 left the Earth. Criticism of the Apollo program came from all sectors of society, including comments made by famed anthropologist Margaret Mead and scathing editorials in the New York Times calling for NASA to turn their attention to more earthly issues. American writer and humorist Kurt Vonnegut was quoted as saying, for the kind of money being spent on the Apollo program, the least NASA could do is discover God. Protests even occurred outside of several NASA facilities, the most famous protest being one that occurred the night before the launch of Apollo 11. In 1968, the Reverend Ralph Abernathy had taken up the reins of the Southern Leadership Conference and the Poor People's Campaign following the tragic assassination of his close friend, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. On July 12, 1969, Abernathy and the field director of the Poor People's Campaign, the Reverend Josiah Williams, announced that hungry people from five southern states would demonstrate at Cape Kennedy July 15th, the night before the launch of Apollo 11 and would try to get as close as possible to the launch site with mules and wagons. In making the announcement, Abernathy told reporters, quote, We're not against things like the moonshot, but there has been a miscalculation in priorities. NASA Administrator Thomas O. Payne couldn't have agreed more with Abernathy, but believed that the agency's mission needed to be a bit more balanced. I would have thought that's your biggest difficulty in, in future, how you can convince people of the practical applications uh, of this on Earth. And doesn't that alter your whole priorities away from man flight to an exploitation of close Earth resources, satellites, and communication satellites? Well, it certainly does change our views. The necessity uh, that we see is for a balanced program. We think we must press on with the manned exploration of space and uh, use all that we've learned about the moon 
to open this up in the 1980s for a really intense exploration. We also want to keep the scientific values of our planetary exploration program. And then thirdly, we want to develop these practical down-to-earth economic benefits. The night before the launch of Apollo 11, a light misty rain was falling as a group of 500 protesters marched to a field at the Kennedy Space Center. The procession was led by a mule-drawn wagon, a stark contrast with the gleaming white Saturn V rocket that was bathed in the brilliant light of giant searchlights. The protesters held signs reading, Moonshots breed malnutrition, rockets or rickets, and billions for space, pennies for hunger. Abernathy himself stood at the gates holding his own sign that read, $12 a day to feed an astronaut. We can feed a starving child for $8. Concerned that the protesters may block the one roadway that led to the space center, thus preventing access by key NASA personnel to the center, Former President Lyndon Johnson questioned NASA Administrator Thomas Paine about security. Paine assured Johnson that he would speak with the protesters and address their concerns personally. With a small group of reporters in attendance and the protesters singing, We Shall Overcome, Paine arrived at the gate where the protesters were waiting at 3 p.m. Abernathy greeted the administrator. Are we in a nation that will spend billions of dollars to put a man on the moon and will not spend $60 to stand one on his feet right down here on Earth. Payne looked at Abernathy and gave his reply. If it were possible for us, from our warning, to not push the button and to solve the problems to which you are concerned, believe me, we would not push the button. Payne went on to say that the great technological advances of NASA were child's play compared to the tremendously difficult human problems here on Earth. Payne then asked Abernathy to hitch his wagons to the Saturn V, using the space program as a spur to the nation to tackle problems boldly in other areas. Payne ended his statement by saying that he would do everything in his personal power to help in the fight for better conditions for all Americans. Abernathy accepted Payne's response and prayed for the three men aboard Apollo 11 before addressing reporters. The Reverend made three requests of Payne. First, that NASA support the movement to combat the nation's poverty, hunger, and other social problems, that NASA scientists use their talents to tackle the problem of hunger, and that 10 families from the group of protesters be allowed inside the space center to view the launch. The next morning, the day of the launch of Apollo 11, a bus arrived at the gate and loaded a group of the marchers on board so that they could view the launch from the VIP seating area inside the space center. On board the bus, Abernathy's marchers found breakfast and a candy bar waiting for each of them on their seats. In a memorandum for record, Payne wrote, quote, I wished it were as easy to meet his other two requests. The feeling about the expenditure of American tax dollars on the Apollo program was also expressed in song and poetry of the day by several different artists, including American poet Gil Scott Heron. The truth is that the politics that we discuss are not partisan politics in terms of Democrat or Republican. I am a member of the Common Sense Party. And for the longest kind of a time, I have felt as though people who said that they did not care anything about politics or were not interested in it were making a political statement in and of itself. The new poetry that evolved in our society concerned the fact that folks wanted to use both words that people could understand as well as talk about ideas that people could understand. 
One such poem, at least an early poem of ours that went in that direction, concerned the fact that millions and millions of dollars are continually sent into outer space while we continue to face the same problems here on the ground. The poem, Whitey on the Moon, was a blistering tale of the struggles faced by inner city families while white Americans were landing on the moon. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night. In the end, NASA lived up to the promise made by Thomas Paine, converting many of the technologies used in the Apollo program for earthbound issues, including studying the climate and providing clean air and water for those of us here on Earth. That policy continues today with advances being made through the International Space Station and the upcoming Artemis missions to the moon. And now, a footnote to history. Additional headlines the fourth week of July, 1969, that floated under the radar while Apollo 11 grabbed the headlines. Just over a year since the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., on July 21, 1969, King's brother, A.D. King, was found dead in the swimming pool at his home in Georgia. Now, many people did not realize King had a brother, but he did, and he was a prominent preacher in his own right. A.D. was an activist himself, spearheading many movements for the betterment of society until his death in 1969. But unlike his more famous brother, A.D. King preferred to work behind the scenes. Also on July 21, 1969, after facing increased public and congressional condemnation over the dangers of smoking, the tobacco industry relented and agreed to halt advertising on radio and television and place warning labels on packs of cigarettes by 1971. One and a half years later, on July 1, 1971, the very last cigarette commercial aired on television at 11.50 p.m. during NBC's Tonight Show. Virginia Slims. This is the taste for today's woman. With rich Virginia flavor. And finally, during this fourth week of July 1969, one of the greatest boxers in the world, Cassius Clay, better known as Muhammad Ali, was convicted of evading the draft. Two years earlier, Ali applied for an exemption from the draft to the Vietnam War, but his application was denied. Why should uh, me and other so-called Negroes go 10,000 miles uh, away from home here in America to drop bombs and bullets on other innocent uh, brown people who's never bothered us? And uh, I will say directly, no, I will not go 10,000 miles to uh, help or kill on July 23, 1969, Ali was stripped of his fighting license, his world heavyweight title, and sentenced to a few years in prison. The conviction was eventually overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1971. I'm Joe Kuhai, and thank you very much for joining me for this edition of Everyone's Gone to the Moon. My thanks this week go out to NASA, the BBC, KSDK Television in Sacramento, 
the St. Louis Dispatch, and the Radio and Television Museum for clips heard in today's episode. You can learn more about the events and the pop culture that shaped our world in my new book published by Prometheus Books, Everyone's Gone to the Moon, July 1969, Life on Earth, and the Epic Voyage of Apollo 11. It's available now at your favorite local bookstore or online retailer. If you like this episode, then please share it with a friend. I would appreciate it. You can view clips as well as read other resources from today's episode, learn more about the book, my other titles, and you can even drop me a line by visiting my website, joe-kuhai.com. And Kuhai is spelled C-U-H-A-J. I'll see you next time.